What's up, college basketball fans? Welcome back into the Sidelines Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, college basketball insider over at FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Today's episode is the 49th episode of the Sidelines Podcast, and I wanted to bring on a close friend and colleague, Josh Gershon, to break down who we think are the top prospects for next year's NBA draft. Now, obviously, we are a ways away from the June 2018 NBA draft, but these guys are now household names playing college basketball, so I wanted to take a a deep dive into their background and talk about their strengths and weaknesses, and then Josh and I jumped into who we think are the two players that could crack that top five. Following that conversation with Josh, I broke down uh, updated 2018 high school player rankings, and before we get to that, I want to make sure that you are supporting the Sidelines podcast, and the best way you can do that is to subscribe. You can do that over on Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. You can also support this podcast by leaving a rating or review. That is very helpful. And you can shoot me a note over on Twitter. I would love to know what you think of the product, how I can make it better, and what guests you'd like to hear. Without further ado, let's jump to that conversation with 24 Sports Analyst Josh Gershaw. It's time to go with Evan Daniels. Send it in, big fella. Now let's welcome in 24 Sports college basketball recruiting analyst and close friend Josh Gershon to the sidelines with Evan Daniels podcast. Josh, how are you, buddy? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. I I wanted to have you on because I want to do a deep dive into the top prospects in the 2018 NBA draft. And obviously, you know, we are six, seven months away from the 2018 NBA draft, but a lot of these guys are playing on the college scene and, and college basketball and NBA fans are, are getting their first real live look at these guys. And uh, we've been watching them for three, four years. And uh, I, I think it would be cool to kind of go over these guys, their strengths, their weaknesses, what we like about them. And, and Josh, I, I think what's interesting about this uh, upcoming draft is how deep the top tier is. Now, I don't think there's much depth overall, but I think that top tier is really good. Yeah, it, it, it's excellent. Obviously, not being able to see Michael Porter this season is, is a disappointment, but certainly his body of work uh, suggests he's, he's still an elite prospect as long as there's no serious concerns health-wise. But other than that, everyone has more than lived up to their billing, and especially just, just watching two bonafide number one picks in most drafts, DeAndre Aiden and Robin Bagley in the same season. Um, it's been really fun to watch. It's, it's funny because in, the, in June, you, we opted to move DeAndre Aiden up from number three to number one, which is, is usually pretty late in the process. And, and DeAndre Aiden was a guy that we always thought was the most talented and the guy with the most upside, but he never really fully put it together. So we move him to number one over Michael Porter and Muhammad Bamba, and then Marvin Bagley makes that late decision in August to reclassify, and, and now we're looking at two guys um, that I think are, are the favorites for the number one pick. Let's start with Marvin Bagley, Josh, a guy that, that you saw a lot out of Sierra Canyon and in the Phoenix area as well. What in, 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 And let's put ourselves in the eyes of NBA GMs. What makes this guy um, so intriguing? His skill level at his size and athleticism at that age is really just absurd, especially given the fact that he just keeps improving uh, for for five years straight as long as we've been watching him almost every single time out. He does something that maybe he didn't have before, and he can face up. He can play with his back to the basket. He's got great size, plus athlete, 
uh, still has plenty of room to gain strength. Uh, you know, he's going to have to get better defensively, but obviously all the physical tools are there. He'll be able to play the four or small ball five uh, at the NBA level. I mean, he's really an incredible prospect. Yeah, he really is. And I, I think he's, uh, you mentioned it, he's improved every step of the way. And and I, I knew that he was going to be really good as a freshman. I don't know that I expected him to be this dominant at Duke uh, this early. Um, I mean, think about it. Last for last year's team, Jason Tatum. It took him a little while to get going. Obviously, he missed the first part of the season, uh, and now look what he's doing in the NBA. This is a guy in Bagley. He's obviously a much different player. You mentioned his skill set, but I think he can impact the game in, in so many ways. Josh, let's flip it. What are some areas that you think that he needs to work on uh, and get better at before he gets to the NBA? The biggest thing, just to me, is going to be uh, defensively. He doesn't have a natural position to defend, especially as the NBA gets smaller. So the the better he can be at, at, at guarding other fives, his interior defense, um, he's going to have to be better on the perimeter as well. But really that's just the, the, the side of the ball that he needs to work on. But again, the, the physical tools are there. there. There's nothing that suggests he can't be a, a competent defender in time. I just don't think... He, he's elite by any means on that end. There's still work to do. No, I, I completely agree with you. There, there's definitely work to do on the defensive end. I, I think the question marks coming out of high school with a guy like Marvin Bagley was, uh, at least in AAU, his team rarely won, uh, especially his last season. I think they won one or two games on the EYBL circuit, so there was questions about that. But I think he's answered that at Duke. I mean, this is a competitor. This is a guy that plays with a tremendous motor. Um, you know, I – you could go either way between him and Marv or him and DeAndre Ayton for that number one pick. And there's certainly a couple of others. And it's kind of why I wanted to do this podcast with you is because there's some really good options at the top. Uh, and a guy in DeAndre Ayton, Josh, who has ridiculous physical tools and he really always has, you know, I guess explain Josh, why didn't we have him number one uh, a year ago? Well, we had him number one from the very beginning, from the from his freshman season all the way until the final rankings, and we probably overthought it, just given he was an insane talent. But it was very frustrating for years seeing someone so gifted um, really just drift off and not show uh, the competitive spirit that you really want to, to buy into a, a prospect that you're ranking number one. So we, we probably overthought it a little uh, in, in the months afterwards. We we heard that really the weeks uh, wasn't wasn't that long before we we made the switch, but we discussed it. We we realized he has everything in him. He he's never really been held accountable before, and really you can see now that he's being held accountable for the first time. He turned the light on, at, really as we predicted that he would. Agonizing that Bagley made the the decision to reclassify uh, from 18 to 17 only selfishly just because we would have been the only ones to rank eight and number one, which is really crazy to think. No question, especially with that just God-given ability that he has. I mean, I don't think that you could draw up a, a post player's body any better than DeAndre Ayton. I mean, he's pushing seven feet tall. He's got arms to his ankles. He's got these broad shoulders. He's lifting weights for – uh, the first time in his life, and you can see his body just transform. I mean, he, he borderline looks like a Greek god at this point. He's so mobile. He's so athletic. Every physical gift uh, that you could think of that you would want 
uh, on a create a player for an, an NBA guy, he has. And you mentioned it. I mean, the, it was so frustrating to watch this guy in high school. I, I remember watching him his senior year uh, at City of Palms and just just wanting him to do so much more. And, and I don't know if it was he was bored, if it was he wasn't held accountable, if he just hadn't learned how to play hard. But it was so frustrating to watch because it's this guy that has so much talent. Yeah, pe- people, when, when you talk about Aiden now, people act like you're crazy. Like, how could, you, how could anyone think that this isn't the top prospect in the country other, other than maybe Bagley? And obviously we saw the physical tools. There, there has been a little bit of a transformation physically since he started lifting for the first time, for sure. And his skill set has definitely gotten better. But the difference, I don't know if I've seen a kid change from what seemed like not really competitive to maybe even overly competitive in a span of months. And the, the, the switch that he flipped was, was just unbelievable. And, and it also shows, you know, he's really just scratching the surface because a lot of the things that he's doing right now, this isn't what he showed in high school. We believed in him. But, I mean, the kind of prospect that he's turning out to be is, is really above even what we were thinking when we were ranked him number one a few months back. For sure. I mean, this is a guy averaging 20.5 points, 11.9 rebounds a game, and he's been just dominant. He's been absolutely dominant, shooting more than 60% uh, from the field, uh, a block and a half a game. Uh, I think I think NBA GMs are going to really have a tough time when it when it when the draft time comes because you've got such good options and and this is a guy that um, protects the rim he rebounds he's got offensive ability he's shown uh, some shooting ability he, he's not not even shooting thirty percent from the three point line but this is a guy that I think in time Josh has a lot of potential as a shooter. He's got good mechanics. He's got a little bit of a low release point and shoots a little bit of a line drive ball. But I think in time, he's going to be a really good shooter. What is he, you know, he's worked on the motor. We see him playing hard. He's obviously Sean Miller's coaching him up and, and you know, all accounts out of Arizona, he picks up on things really, really fast. What's the next step? Where where does he kind of go from here? What's the next step that he needs to work on? To me, Given his insane physical tools, he should be an elite shot blocker. Um, I, I would say that's the biggest thing. There's still a lot of defensive lapses, that same competitiveness that he shows on the offensive end and, and that commitment to the glass. He doesn't always show defensively. There, there's still a lot to work on there. Uh, really, a, a, as a rim protector, but across the board, he has to improve defensively. Uh, body language can, can still improve at times. Uh, but I, that that goes back to the competitiveness, and I'd rather a kid being too competitive than uh, not competitive enough. And certainly, we don't really have uh, any room to complain about a player that we decide for a month or two to not rank number one because we're worried about his competitiveness. So uh, I'll leave that alone. But really, if he, if he can become the the shot blocker and defender that he's capable of, given his athleticism. He's going to be a, a, just a ridiculous NBA player. You mentioned the shot blocking. He only has 13 block shots 
on the year. It's certainly an area that I, I think that he can really grow in because this is a guy with a massive wingspan. He's a good athlete. Um, he should be a better shot blocker than that, certainly. But obviously he has all the tools. You know, another guy that's, that's going to be uh, in contention for the number one pick is probably the guy that or is the guy that you and I know the least about. And I'm, I'm referring to Luka Doncic, um, a guy out of Slovenia, um, has been tremendous um, playing in, uh, against grown men in, in professional international leagues. Do you think he's at a disadvantage, Josh, just from a standpoint of, you know, guys like DeAndre Ayton and, and Marvin Bagley are playing on the college stage, which is easy for NBA scouts to see, but also they're on TV every night. I mean, do you think that's an advantage for them, even though this guy is, is over uh, in the Euro League and, and putting up big numbers? It, it, it's tough. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a tough question. And if you're a GM, I, I mean, I, I don't uh, envy trying to make that decision because you're right. Like, he, is, he has put up some unbelievable numbers. Uh, his body of work is far beyond everyone else's. But if, if you're the GM of a team, and, and obviously all that, all that matters if you're a GM is getting it right. So winning, winning the press conference, so to speak, winning, winning the pick means nothing. But the average fan is going to really want Bagley and Aiden, right? One, one of the two of them. And if you're wrong, um, going international – uh, we've we've seen it before with, with with Carmelo Anthony going number three. If you're if you're wrong, there, there's a lot of stake there, and we know that Bagley and Aiden for sure are elite prospects. No one would ever question you uh, for choosing either of them. So I think it, I think it's tougher. And again, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to make that decision. And maybe it's going to have a lot to do with uh, team need as well. For sure, and this is a guy that that averaged over 14 points and eight rebounds uh, in the FIBA EuroBasket uh, in the Euro League. He's he's averaging 21 points a game, shooting 37 percent from the three point line, six six rebounds a game. I mean, he's putting up big numbers against players much older than him, 18 years old, and and you know he's a guy that unfortunately I have not seen in person. I, I've watched a lot on tape. And he's clearly a really good scorer. Um, he's a playmaker off the bounce. He's got really good size for the position. W- what have you seen on tape, Josh? And, and and what do you like about this kid? Obviously, his versatility as a scorer uh, is, is awesome. I mean, he's got very good size. He's got legitimate handle. Uh, he, he has a he has a plus feel. Knows how to play. Uh, it's his scoring ability, his shooting, and his ability to take the ball to the basket. Um, the, He's a very, very versatile scorer. There, there's no question about it. I, I think there are some questions uh, defensively, athletically, that that that's often the case. Um, you know, with the with the international prospects. But I mean, we just there, there's some there's some concerns with Bagley and Aiton defensively too. I think the difference is their upside defensively is a lot higher. Yeah, that, I I completely I completely agree. And uh, another perimeter player that factors into this equation is Michael Porter, and we scouted him extensively all through high school. Saw him early on. Uh, he's grown to to six eight, maybe even six nine. Unfortunately, college basketball fans aren't going to get to see him play this season, or most likely this season, due to to an injury. Uh, but but he's well known. This is a guy with with 
plus size for the position. He's a very good athlete. He's really improved as a scorer over the course of his high school career um, and can really shoot. What stood out to you about Michael Porter throughout his high school career? I really love the the improvement that he made from, from year to year. By the end of his senior season, he was just an absolutely dominant scorer. And I think that's ultimately why we caved a little bit uh, at the end because of the, just the pure production that he was putting up every single game. Uh, he's about six foot nine. He can put the ball on the ground. He's a really good shooter. The, the way that the NBA is going, playing smaller, he can absolutely play three or the four. Uh, he's just so offensively gifted and, and very consistent too. that, that senior season. I mean, he, he showed up every single night and brought it, and that's something he didn't always do earlier in his career. So I, he, he really built his reputation and boosted his stock, I think, the most as a senior. I think you hit the nail on the head, too, when you said you know he hadn't always brought it. And, and there were times when he was a sophomore and a junior where you, didn't, you wouldn't know which Michael Porter was going to show up. It could be um, the one that looks like a, a future NBA starter, or it could be a guy that just – you know, decided he didn't want to play that night. And I, I think where he made that improvement was his senior year. Not only did his skill development get better, his scoring moves were better. He played a much more confident brand of basketball, but he started to put the whole package together in terms of consistently bringing it and, and playing harder. Uh, on the flip side, Josh, and I, I think that there are a couple areas that he's going to have to get better at and, and, and prove himself at. He hasn't always handled physical play. Um, that well, um, I, I, I think he improved shooting on the on the dribble, but off the dribble. But that's that's also an area I think he could improve his ball handling. W- what did you see on the on the flip side areas that he he needs to work on and get better at? I think you would like him to be tougher. Uh, it, it, it's tough always to evaluate an eighteen year old and, and say they're not tough enough or they're not going to be tough in time and. Uh, Unfortunately, while we've been able to see Aiden prove some toughness that maybe he didn't always show in high school, we haven't had that same opportunity with Porter. So all we can do is go back and look back at his body of work in high school. And there, there were times where he wasn't as competitive as you'd like to see as a player that's the number one pick. So I, I think if we're going to go back and look at his entire body of work, which is all we, we can really do without being able to see him this year, that that's probably the one thing. Um, that that in defense, but again, we're, we just talked about three guys that also have work to do on defense, so I, I, I can't hit him too hard on that. Yeah, and I, I think maybe one area that he's going to really be missing out on uh, being coached by a guy like Conzo Martin is really learning how to defend. And I, I think that's something that we forget sometimes is is once these guys get in a college environment, they usually show up and, and you know, there's there's obviously good AAU coaches and good high school coaches that, that can teach defense. Um, but I think there's a, a, a um, there's growth when they get to college, a lot of these guys. And obviously, Conzo Martin's a really good defensive coach. So, unfortunately, him not being able to play and practice every day, I, I feel like uh, he's missing out on an opportunity to really – learn how to defend because I, I think there are nuances and, and different things that these guys uh, don't know before they get to college. You're absolutely right. And, and there's also somewhat uh, of an advantage, but let's say the bat comes up um, 
perfectly normal, no problem, no concerns with this health moving forward, right? Then there's probably a little bit of an advantage of the fact that he got to sit out the season because truth is the, the jump that he would have had to make to match what Aiden and Bagley are doing this season would have been pretty extreme. I mean, it, 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 it was close going in, but those guys made really big jumps forward. And the idea of all three of them making that same jump forward, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of, it seems kind of hard to believe, but it's possible. For sure. And I think that there's one more guy, Josh, that fits into this equation and maybe two others on the periphery. But I think Mohamed Bamba has to fit into this equation at some point. I've even had one NBA executive told me, a week or two ago, that he would take Mohamed Bamba number one if the draft were today. And, and this is a guy with ridiculous physical gifts, uh, seven feet tall, seven nine uh, wingspan, nine seven standing reach. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, mobile, block shots. Uh, he's even shown that he can step out on the floor a little. Um, now, there, there's obviously uh, he's got to get stronger. He's He's got to polish up his game offensively. Um, but your eyes, Josh, well, what do you like about Muhammad Bamba? He's just a, a dream defensive prospect with obviously plenty to offer offensively as well uh, in terms of what he'll be able to do. It's not like there's anything preventing him from being a good offensive player in, in time, but man, his physical tools, what, what he's going to be as he continues to gain strength, his, his floor is extremely high just because you know you're going to get an elite defender uh, for for the next several years, and one that's probably going to keep improving offensively as as we've seen from him over the last few years. Uh, we we have never had any concerns with him off the court. You know he, he's going to work hard. I mean, it there's there's a lot of upside there, but he's also a very safe pick. I, I'd, I'd be very happy if I'm I'm picking number five, and that that's who I end up with. For sure, and this is a guy averaging 10.5 points a game, 10 rebounds a game, uh, blocking four shots a game. And, and you mentioned the rim protection. I, I think that's obviously his biggest value. That's where the length factors in, his athletic ability. I think he's playing um, a little harder than he did in, in, in high school, and I think there's still room to grow there. Um, he's a, a really good rebounder. Um, but the strength, I think, is probably the biggest area for improvement. And I, you know, I see a lot of comments about Muhammad Bamba and people saying that and, and insinuating that he's inept offensively. And I just don't buy that. I, I think he has uh, very good hands. Uh, I think he's got good touch. Um, I, I think in time he's going to be able to make mid-range jump shots. Uh, I think the tools are there. Now, is he polished? No. Does he have work to do, Josh? Yes. But I think the tools are there on the offensive end. It's just not put together. Obviously, the value, uh, the upside is is in his rim protection, and, and that's where he's going to be valuable to NBA teams. I'm curious, though. I, I, I think once he adds you know, 20, 30 pounds, how he compares to a guy like Aiton. Because right now, Aiton is just physically bigger and stronger. And I would love to see those two guys in a postgame one-on-one uh, three, four years from now. Oh, for sure. And the fact that Bagley and Aiden are obviously further along offensively, that, that's not any question. And, and, and by the way, Bamba is significantly further ahead defensively. So you, you have to give him that. Uh, I think, to me, it's just almost unfair to Bamba that 
he is in the same draft as a post with these two freak of nature uh, offensive scores like Bagley and Nate. If you take them away from the class and you look at eight and just proje- or if you look at Bomb, but just projecting forward, he, he's a he's a ridiculous prospect. Um, he does he does have to improve offensively, but he's where you should probably expect a, a center his age to be offensively. He's just not Bagley or Aiden, and most prospects at that position we've seen in the past several years aren't either. No question. I'm, I want to put you on the spot here, and obviously we are. it's December uh, 14th. We are a long ways away from this draft, but if you were drafting today, uh, who would you go with one? I would probably go with Aiden just because of what we've seen from him making that step forward over the last several months, the way he's accepted coaching, the way that his body has changed, the way his competitive uh, and mental makeup has changed, the the fact that he's showing gifts offensively that he never really revealed in in high school, and the and by the way, the untapped potential defensively. The again, there is no reason he can't be an elite rim protector. With, with some of the most absurd physical tools we've seen in a long time. Uh, to me, I, that, that's the prospect that I would feel most comfortable betting on at this point. It's certainly, um, at this at this stage, you s- certainly hard to disagree with. I mean, uh, you can make a case for a couple of these guys. I- is there anybody, Josh, and, and I'll, I'll preface it by saying I, I do think there's particularly one in Jaron Jackson that can jump into this top five. Obviously, these five are, are really, really good prospects. And, you know, their team needs are going to factor in here, too. You know, we're talking about who we think the, the top five prospects are, and I think it's those five. Um, but a team may need a point guard. So then Colin Sexton comes into play. Or Jaron Jackson is a guy that's been on a steady, steady rise over the last two years. He's grown physically, and his game has grown. Do you think, or who do you think, has a, a chance to jump into that top five in terms of who are the best prospects? I, I think six and seven would probably be Jaron Jackson and Colin Sexton, as you mentioned. And the, the question is really going to be if any of these teams need a point guard. Because if they they need a a post, obviously there's a few options ahead of Jaron Jackson. That's the only thing. It's not his fault. He's going to be a very good NBA player, I think. He just happens to be behind a few other posts. Uh, And and I I, I think that uh, Sexton, he's a combo guard. Uh, He's one of the best competitors I've ever scouted. I mean, watching a kid we saw from really the very beginning, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone as obsessed with winning as I've seen Sexton at, at the high school level. And it, if I'm a GM, I want that dude on my team. If I'm, if, if I'm another player, I want to play with a dude that cares about winning as much as Sexton does. So I think those intangibles that he has, that competitive spirit to go with his athleticism and skill set as well, could be could be a guy to make a, a, a jump into that top five for sure. For sure, and I, I think Sexton um, is one of the two most competitive 
players that I've ever scouted. The other probably being Josh Jackson, who came out last year. And, and you said it. I mean, he just plays with such relentless energy, and he's always attacking. And he's a kid that loves to talk. He'll talk to the opposing team. He'll talk to opposing coaches. He'll talk to himself. He'll talk to the, the little man on his shoulder. He'll talk to anybody. And this is a guy that really thrives off that. He, he, it really gets him going. And we were actually there, you and I, in California, at kind of the, the starting point of Colin Sexton. Before he had a scholarship offer, it was his junior year back in December of his junior year. Uh, we were at uh, the Torrey Pines event, I believe it was. Happened to walk in a gym watching the other team. And Colin Sexton goes for 40-plus points. You and I are, are thinking to ourselves, like, who the heck is this kid? And then, you know, fast forward four or five months later, and he leads the EYBL in scoring. So this is a guy that hasn't always been a top-tier recruit. It took till, you know, the end of his junior season for him to become a household name. And he just steadily has gotten better and better and better Every step of the way, Josh. And, you know, we're talking about Jaron Jackson. It's another guy. I, I, I think he's a little bit of a late bloomer. He wasn't always known as an elite guy. I mentioned that he, he grew. He grew two inches the last two seasons. Um, and his game has gotten better. He he's developed his skills. He's turned into a pretty impressive rim protector. Uh, he's continued to improve his motor. He plays hard. I, I know the Michigan State coaches have raved about him to me. Um, so I, I think if there's anybody that's going to jump into that top five, it, it's probably it, it's probably those two. Uh, Josh, before I let you go, I, I did want to ask you: Is there anybody outside of these seven players that we just discussed? Somebody, um, and, and it could. It could be somebody that goes in the second round. I mean, is there anybody that you see as a sleeper or a guy um, that it's just continuously getting better that you think an NBA team uh, is really going to be happy to get late in this first round or second round? Well, I think just based on the fact that he hasn't played this year, it could, in the same way that maybe it helps Michael Porter and, and, you know, hopefully if you're USC, you get him back, but it's Anthony Mountain. He was a player very much on the rise. Uh, he, we saw him continuously improve throughout throughout high school and certainly didn't know he was going to have the impact that he would have with the Trojans as a freshman, but he proved himself as a bona fide uh, combo guard and, and big-time defender and and a player that really projects well at the next level given his competitiveness, his athleticism, his improvement offensively, his ability to play on and off the ball. Uh, his, his development as a shooter and we haven't seen him this year we but having had watched him for the last three four plus years I know the jump that he made every single year so I'm just going to go ahead and assume he will or would if he does not play uh, make that same jump as a sophomore that's certainly a safe bet he's obviously uh, very talented and a kid that you you've been watching for quite some time. I remember uh, you took me to see him uh, two years ago. I think we went to watch Brandon Williams, maybe? Yeah, they played on the same press the uh, high school team. Yeah. Well, Josh, man, I, I appreciate your time. I know you are a, uh, a busy man. Um, thanks for uh, jumping on the Sidelines Podcast. Appreciate you having me. This is Roy Williams. This year, the confetti 
It's going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. And you're living to the sidelines with Evan Daniels. We'd like to once again thank Josh Gershon for taking the time out and jumping on the sidelines podcast. Before I let you guys go, I want to hit on three big topics. And this week's big three is uh, the top three players in the updated 2018 player rankings over at 24-7 Sports. I wanted to stick with a similar evaluation theme, and there is a new number one, and that number one prospect is now Duke signee Cameron Reddish, uh, a guy that was still in the top five previously, uh, but I, I think he's done enough and has the um, enough upside and potential to to be that guy. And, you know, sometimes in evaluating, it's when you see a guy. And if we had updated these rankings last week, R.J. Barrett would be the number one prospect in the 2018 class. But I happened to see Cameron Reddish this weekend twice, and he was borderline incredible. Reddish scored 87 points in two games, including one where he went for 53. And he did it against good competition. And it's not just that he scored points, obviously. It's, it's how he did it and what he showed while he was doing it. This is a guy that stretches six foot eight. He's got long arms. He's a very good athlete. He's really improving as a shooter. He was 14 of 22 from three in those two games. This is a guy that, that shot closer to 30% from three in the EYBL. His shot mechanics are good. I think he's going to be a really good shooter. The question on Cameron Reddish, and, and I want to preface this by saying I've always thought he had the talent and the ability to be the number one guy in the 2018 class, but he didn't always bring it. He didn't always play hard. You didn't know what kind of effort you were going to get from him. He hasn't been consistent. This past weekend, he was diving on the floor for loose balls. He was competing on both ends of the floor. He made winning plays, and uh, that's why uh, I decided to, to, to bump him to number one in the 2018 24-7 Sports Player Rankings Coming in at two is R.J. Barrett. He is also headed to Duke. What a perimeter the Duke Blue Devils have signed. R.J. Barrett is six foot six, a native of Canada, led the U-19 Canadian national team to a World Cup gold medal, and he was absolutely tremendous doing it. Had an opportunity to see him play a couple weeks ago at the Holiday Hoops Giving event, and he showed off his scoring prowess. He continues to improve. He's very skilled. Uh, he can guard multiple positions. He brings it. He competes. Uh, this is a guy that's that's really talented. So Duke uh, it, it currently has the the top two players in the 2018 player rankings. It's pretty impressive. Their third commit in that 18 class is Trey Jones, also a top 10 player. What a class that those guys have been able to put together. And then checking in at number three is somebody that I think the nation is very familiar with because of his highlight reel videos is Zion Williamson. He's actually a really tough prospect to evaluate, standing uh, six 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 seven, uh, and checking in at 260, 270 pounds. He is a beefy dude, but he is really, really athletic. Um, one of the best scout or one of the best athletes that I, I've had the opportunity to evaluate. If he gets a guy on his hip, it's a wrap. He's getting to the rim. He's a good finisher. I, I think he's going to be a very good rebounder. Um, now there's still some development issues. He's got to continue to improve his offhand, his right hand. Uh, he's got to continue to improve his jump shot. Uh, but this is a guy that, that is physically uh, very gifted. And I, I think once he gets his body in shape, he's only going to get better. So the top three players in the 2018 class, Cameron Reddish, RJ Barrett, and Zion Williamson. If I went deeper, Bull Bull checked in at number four. And Romeo Langford, who scored 41 points at the Forum Tip-Off Classic this past weekend, is at number five.
Guys, I appreciate you all listening to the Sidelines Podcast. And before I let you go, I want to make sure that you are supporting the podcast. The best way for you to do that is to hit the subscribe button over at Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. It would also be beneficial for us if you could leave a rating or a review. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter at Evan Daniels. Thanks for listening and have a great week.